Hey guys, welcome to the Muse Chasers Podcast. My name is Mike Neal, and on this episode, you're going to listen to the conversation I had with singer, songwriter, and musician Mary Bourne. If you're a fan of Kevin Smith like I am, you've seen Chase and Amy, and hopefully you've seen Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and if you have, then you know exactly who Mary Bourne is, but if you haven't, no worries. This is still going to be an amazing episode for you to listen to. But before we start, I just I had this surreal kind of moment before I called Mary. From the time I decided I wanted to try to have Mary on the podcast to the actual moment I got to call her, I kind of did the math and figured out it had been around six months since I had tried to find where she was even at. And you'll kind of figure out exactly why it took me so long in the podcast. But I just had this moment and I kind of laughed. And I thought to myself, wow, this last six months, I've been chasing Mary, so to speak. I hope you guys enjoy. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight. I don't have a job to find And if I work tonight If I'm so tired tonight I'll fall asleep when I'm home When I'm Today, I have on this episode of the podcast somebody that it took me a little bit of time to get this person, and I'm super proud that I was uh, able to reach out to this person. And when you know, I, I talked to her the other day, I heard her voice, it felt it just felt great to be able to talk to her. And now, today, I'm sitting and I have her on the phone, and we're gonna tell her story today. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mary Bourne, how are you, Mary? Yay! Um, I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm sitting with my guitar and my lyrics, um, you know, trying to fight the apocalypse a little bit. Yeah, we're in some hard times right now. Yeah. So this is this is, um, this is one of those moments that I think puts everybody who writes songs their whole life into perspective. And you say, these things are still true, or more true than ever, usually, about something. I don't know if that's true for everybody or just those songwriters, but I've been doing that. Now, I, I, before we jump into you and who you are in your life, uh, how has this whole coronavirus and everything, how has that affected you writing your music? I haven't written anything new yet. What I am, but I look at the songs that were, even my very first song was that was so much more relevant with what's going on right now. So I just kind of revisited, um, when I was a little girl, I wrote a song called People. It was pretty much my first song. Mm-hmm. I was sad. And I was a little foster kid, and I was learning how to play music. I would saved up for my own guitar, and I was having these ideas, like the biggest idea about life. What was right and wrong? What was, what was I going to be when I grew up? And, and what did the whole world mean? We were little girls without, and I was really sad about it. So, um... I was encouraged to watch television to make the time pass by, and I was afraid of losing something. And I put my coins in the box for Jerry's kids and things like that. And so I wrote a song called "I'm So Called People." I'm so scared of people talking about people for each other when they're talking about nothing. And I'm scared of the losers and the users and the dealers and the lawyers. It scared me. I was afraid that I was going to stop being so sad as a little girl and grow up. But that song, when I play it, played it today or yesterday, when I'm sorting out my my heart over the issues that are happening, being sick and being scared and trying to take care of the people I care about, and not being able to get supplies and, mm-hmm. and life, was we're really hurting where I'm at. We we haven't had water for days, and there's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and when I, I, say, I know LA has been hit but hard. There's a, there's a line of people that says if everybody helps somebody else, then we'd all be safe. And that's true 
by my Alzheimer's patients and uh, order some um, paper towels that we really needed for eggs. Now, I, I heard you say that uh, you were a foster child, and that, that was a big part of why you wrote the song People. What, yes. How, how did that come about, you being a foster child? Do you know your real parents? Yes. Um, when I started kindergarten, I um, had a lot of different colored bruises on my body. And so my teachers uh, contacted authorities and had me and my brother rescued from a very bad abuse from my biological mother and my stepfather. I was rescued a couple more times from police as a, a little girl in California and Los Angeles. And it, I ended up at a wonderful place. And that is what music is to me. I was one of hundreds and thousands in a, in a little orphanage. And there was girls of every color, every ethnicity, every all of us. And we had no one but each other. And we were taken care of by foster mothers from every color and every religion in this big melting pot. And this city was so many different. And I was inconsolable. Just really sad. So music made me feel better. Music took care of me. Music gave me a place to uh, a home and somebody to talk to when I was sad and lonely. Now, do you, and, uh, do you remember who introduced you to music? Yes. It was a, I was particularly sad. And I was in a, a hospital, and I was pretty banged up. And my doctor said, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm very sad. <laughs> he said, that's understandable. It will get better when you get older. Just picture it. But I couldn't picture it. So he told me, well, let's draw a picture then. And we drew a picture of me asking, what if everything went right tomorrow? What if you could pick everything going right at school? What if... You, there were never any bogeys, and everything went right. You could have anything you want. Well, in my pictures that I do every day while I'm in the hospital, I want, I, well, you know, I love to play music. Well, that's not, that's great. I joined band, my friends, and, and when I was an old lady, and I had looked back at my life, and what did I accomplish? What did I do? And I thought about it, and we're drawing the picture, and I drew a picture of the best I could of an old lady with a little plunge in her hair, and I said, well, I've written music, made something of it, made something of myself and, and the bad situations that I was in right now with all of these cuts. And uh, I guess I wish I could help people. I wish I could use that information and the language that I've been taught as a person who's been hurt to help somebody else. And that was the goal of my life. I got out of the hospital with my little girl home, saved my allowance of $2.75. I purchased my first guitar. And I taught myself without a book, no play note, just, wow. you know, reaching out in the dark to try to learn how to play. It was so soothing. It was so comforting. It was an accomplishment. I, I, I wrote a language. I had a friend. And there's nothing like the satisfaction of pulling something out of nowhere in the dark. It, it feels like you made something. Somebody turned in my little songs when I was a little girl and I won a contest. with get a rock band. It was called Cole when mm -hmm. I was a teenager. And we got featured in Chasing Amy, which I love, and I'm really proud of. Such a Kevin Smith fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's been amazing and beautiful ever since. So it's really about music and, and how I was very lucky to be encouraged by strangers like Tom Brokaw when I was just a little girl to persevere or that there was something good in me. I guess other people, strangers, kind of made up for it. The criticism or that or the hurt that I've gotten elsewhere. Now, and I found love everywhere. Now, now, when was the first time? Uh, hold on, I'm gonna step back a little bit more. The fact that you said that you wanted to create music to help other people is just amazing. Like I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say like I wanted to learn to play music to help other people. That that's that's, that's pretty amazing to me. But thank you. That's a big compliment. The uh, it's so uh, you know, I, you want I. It's just you want you weren't thinking about yourself. You in though that you found this uh this avenue of creativity to do something amazing that made you feel good. But when you said you started, you were like, "Huh, I can do this and help people feel good." Is just uh, astonishing to me. Thank you. 
But when was the very first time somebody recognized your talent and said, hey, this girl, she's got something going on. We we need to do something about it. I think it was when I won my first songwriting contest and the person that really encouraged me were uh, whoever the judges were in the entertainment industry and uh, by uh, sponsoring me and giving me some funding. But the first big speech that I ever got or, or encouragement in as a songwriter, as an artist, came from Tom Proka. Wow. And he took me out to my actual first dinner of my life on my birthday and had Wolfgang Puck actually cook my birthday cake, which was many little cute desserts. And I had never gone out to dinner, and uh, I was very nervous, and it was spectacular. But prior to that, everyone, everyone who knew, you know, that I... Me, me and my brother, we've been kidnapped, we've been really harmed. Everybody just wanted to kind of help, to say hi, to put a band-aid on our, on our forehead and take us home for Thanksgiving if we didn't have anywhere to go. It's, it's been very encouraging for my life to know that uh, your next-door neighbor will probably give you a hug if you need one or something like that. I, was, um, I thought about... When I was in foster care and everybody else was sad because they didn't have a presence or something like that. But I was so happy to not be hurting. I was so grateful to be alive and not be hurting and suffering. And I was so grateful to the staff members who left their families at home so they could take care of me. And for people who had voted that my life mattered and that all these kids, we all deserved to get our you know, oatmeal. So I was in constant gratitude because I knew what it was like to hurt. And if you've ever really hurt, when you're not hurting anymore, it feels so much better. So uh, they did their jobs. They they did it. And I'm sure there's a whole lot of people that were there, and that's what they wanted. And obviously they did did their jobs because you felt safe. And my doctor in the hospital, he didn't have to go the extra mile and help me find a, a dream for my future. No, so I, I am fortunate. I'm so fortunate. And I, I say that um, I can't pay anybody back with, with words because I was raised by a group of people that sponsored my integrity. They sponsored me having hope in life. A lot of people that have suffered a lot, especially being abused or tortured and things like that, it's hard to not return the favor <laughs> or be angry or bitter. Mm-hmm. But I got something much better and it helps me make something great out of whatever goes wrong. So many things have gone wrong to me. Lightning has struck me so many times. But so many things that went right that would have never happened without those things. But whenever something goes wrong, I'm like, okay, I'm probably about to win the lottery or something better. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to listen to your story because I come from a family that, you know, I always had a mom and a dad. And I even come from a divorced family, but I always had a mom and a dad. So I don't know, you know, how that feels to not have that, that structure and, and that protection and to be out into the world where I don't have that as a kid. You know, I, I can't imagine how scary that would be. You don't know that, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you don't know that you're scared when it happens. But I'm the only one I've ever met that was kind of flung into adulthood, having no idea what it meant. So I had money because I won the songwriting contest, and I had an apartment, but I didn't know how to turn on the utility. And I didn't have anyone to call to ask how life worked. I read the phone book from cover to cover. Hopefully, you guys get some insight as to what people do. I'd never seen a parent write a check. I'd never seen groceries happen. Being raised in a massive orphanage is kind of like being raised behind a curtain where you never see anyone doing anything. You may never ask for forgiveness of what you can do. And so I didn't know anything worked. And in the beginning, I did every single thing wrong. I didn't know what taxes were or how to file them, so I didn't. And I just, just totally fell face down at life. Mostly laughed about it, and, but I was incredibly lost. I did one thing right. I was so lonely and so bummed out and so miserable because I was missing something from not having any family. 
and in Hollywood in the city and the night and the gold and all the things that would go wrong. But I went to a place called Volunteers America and asked if I could volunteer. And I got to help build a school, hold a crack baby, do a couple of things with my little afternoon time. And I felt so happy. Mm-hmm. And that was my cure. And I took it to my songs and, it be, and I was lucky. And that's, that was my life. And I felt like I had held hand, God's hand for a moment and that I figured it out. And instead of asking for things for myself, which didn't seem to work, <laughs> but I would hopefully try to do when I do it right. And I fail miserably all the time. I assume everybody fails from some portion as much as I do. But whenever I do it right, I'm looking for somebody to help and, and somebody something inspiring to happen. And it does. And I, so, I, I know when it comes to your music, uh, all the music I've listened to of yours, it, it's you can tell that what you're singing, you mean it. You can tell that you all everything that you've experienced in life that you you're putting into music, and, and I think that nowadays where there's so much music through the internet and everybody everybody that can put out music nowadays can they have that 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 avenue. They have the access to the internet to where they can put their music out. So you you you're almost overwhelmed with music listening to it today, and with your music, you can really tell that you mean every bit of what you're singing. And I think, in my opinion, that's really rare. Oh, thank you. That's another good compliment. I haven't made. Here's one for you. Do not ever lose that accent. It is so beautiful. Uh, we already talked about the <laughs> accent. You know, I don't like it, but. Uh, I can't get rid of it. If I could, I would, but... You did not try. So when did you really kind of get into the music business? Because I know that you said that, uh, was it Electric had signed you? I I was very, I was a little girl, and I had my one guitar, and I uh, won a little song in contest. I played these little songs that I made up with, I didn't know any covers or how to play anyone else's chords. I knew these, how to play songs, but I didn't know what the notes were called. I had no formal training and I, I had no common language that I shared with other musicians. Mm-hmm. I learned it as I went along and fumbled for it. I, I just, I had what I had and I didn't know how to do anything else. So I met people on the bus that were musicians and slept on the carpet of somebody's house if they played bass and uh, would talk to this rock star and try to get him to quit using or And I won the contest, got together with a rock band, and we started selling out shows. We were out of style with the uh, entertainment industry. We loved Motown. We loved real rock records. We loved the 60s. We were huge fans of really incredible music. And it was not in vogue in that time in the late 90s. So, uh, but we had fans and we meant it. We had something to say. We wanted to support equality and tolerance. We had a song about Martin Luther King that was really special to our communities. We raised money for AIDS Project Los Angeles. We had our friends, but we never got out there because as soon as we got on the radio, my our label was dropping every single band. And we never got back up. So I kept playing because I was the person that I played for who was me and uh, and the idea that I could build this catalog of my life. And it was a topic. And I got commercial success for a little bit. And I had offers and I was doing movies and soundtracks, you know, became platinum blonde, worked out really hard. I, I accepted a lot of um, bad advice and became commercial and started making a good living. And right as I was about to become really sensationally successful, um, I needed a life-saving brain surgery and about everything. Afterwards, I was sick for about 10 years, fighting for a cure for myself, studying medicine, trying things, taking notes. And after about 10 years of that, I walked into a hospital and asked for a test that revealed a massive aneurysm, which was killing me. At the surgery, I woke up. I'm volunteering with all, Alzheimer's patients, and we're we're doing pretty good today. And I, that's where I'm at with all of these secret songs and secret stories and screwing up at life. Can't use the internet very well. I think I'm using a. 
forgetting <laughs> my name and losing my purse. <laughs> Everything's going wrong. And but we have we are like the only people in Los Angeles that have scored paper towels, toilet paper, canned goods I had put away for a rainy day. And <laughs> God, God, God put us in the, in the in the place to be to be together. Now uh, you said that you had um the this neurological issue. Yeah. Can you do? You, are you okay to talk with about that a little bit more in depth? Yes, absolutely. I um as a consequence of getting some pretty severe abuse to my skull when I was a, a, a baby and a little girl, I had a massive um, tangle of, of veins and arteries inside of my brain, which is a large piece. I lost a lot of memory. I have serious memory impairment and um, other impairments. I'm partially blind. I lost my left field on both eyes. A bunch of other stuff is, is wrong. Um, I uh, I have a, a painful reaction to pain, especially emotional pain. Um, it's difficult to process. Emotions are big files for the computer that is your brain, like a, a movie times 10. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to process, and I have so little left that it actually can cause me to uh, lose consciousness. Wow. That uh, connection, having them in impairment and not being able to do homework when I was little, I couldn't remember a name, I couldn't remember a time, I couldn't remember a date, but I could write a poem around the things, and I could put it to a melody and try to get it back, and do all these crazy things to try to get my away. Well, look, there's two trees going across the street towards each other, and one's a white birch tree, and the other one's brownish, interracial love, and then I make the left. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm navigating life with these very unique challenges which make it a little bit more fun and exciting sometimes very frustrating now when you were a child did you know that was going on or did you kind of just adapt to it i thought i had a really bad memory and i thought that um whatever life throws at you you're gonna get creative and try to figure it out if the conventional way didn't work then you could try something different and that didn't work that you could leave this dimension and try another way to get through. I wanted to, um, I didn't believe that anything was impossible. And that was how I navigated and sort of am alive. Very, very lucky to be alive. I've had, you know, dozens of surgeries, but somehow it all turns into a song. It, it summarizes, it sums itself up. Well, that's what I meant. I, I forgot what I was trying to say in the first place. <laughs> what I was trying to say is that when um, when something meaningful happens, a unique part of your memory is activated. You learn not just the facts, but the moral of the story. You learn the essence. And with that is something called understanding. And with understanding, it's a, a, you don't have to remember it. You know it. And it's ingrained or put into you in a completely different way that doesn't require memory. So when I'm struggling with an issue, and how is this, why are we here? What is going on? Why do I keep screaming up? Like, why doesn't he love me? Whatever it is, and I, and I, I look at other people and wonder if they're struggling with the same thing. And I'm very curious and observing and trying to get somebody else to talk about their troubles. And somehow there's something that becomes true in the ashes of that conversation. And when it becomes true, and I say, this is, if everybody helps somebody else, we'd be safe. There's some truthful element comes out. And when that element comes out, it has a sound. And you can hear it. My bones can hear it. And after that, a few seconds later, a song is completed. Because the melodies that it sounds like follow the lyrics that are that thing. And that helps me learn and understand, save my life story, navigate life. It cures every problem that I have personally. It's a diary that is actually tattooed into my phone. That's my music. Music has a life in the biggest, best ways. If you're paying attention, it has an echo that you can hear in your bones. And I listen to it for myself to record my life. 
that's that's a special connection that my brain injuries give me with music. Well, I, Does that make sense? I, I, no, I can understand. I can completely understand what you're saying. I, I can't relate to it. I mean, I, I can relate to it because music does something to me that I can't really explain. You know, there's certain music that I can be having a bad day and I'll turn it on and the music, I can like just being able to relate to the music and saying like, you know, this guy or this girl that wrote this song they were having a bad day too. And so I can understand in a sense how it being like being able to connect to music, like you're saying, but you've, you've reached out and connected to it an entirely different way. I don't think anybody else probably can. I don't, I cannot pay you back for these kind of compliments. <laughs> Thank well, you. It's the, a thing to say. I appreciate it. How many surgeries did you actually have? I've had many surgeries. Um, my my first round of surgeries was surgeries to um, take something really uh, messy and tangled and liquid out of my brain that was taking up the majority of the right hemisphere, especially in the temporal lobe. That was complicated and extraordinary. It required teams of people using really interesting instru- instruments and they actually went into my groin to get to my brain and the craniotomy. It was you know, really incredible. And uh, I didn't expect to wake up being able to see and not being paralyzed. But I did. I lost my memory after my first surgery completely. I went home and I didn't know what I liked to eat. And I couldn't remember any of my songs or how to play music. But I walked as far as I could every day and struggled to get it all back. And then I needed another round, uh, rounds of surgery. And then I suffered a stroke in, in the uh, chest. And then during uh, an MRI to diagnose the stroke, I got, my right hand had a, an injury in the hospital. At some point in time, I needed another brain surgery, and both of my hands were injured, and I couldn't play. Wow. There was a moment where I stooped down to feeling sorry for myself, to which I was ashamed. So I wrote to music companies about how I could get my instruments tailored since I had reduced strength in my hands. And I tried to play differently, and I was frustrated, and I thought about life and how frustrating it can be, and... When I was little, I learned how to memorize my homework by writing songs and poetry. That was the same. I played differently to suit my instruments. And when I did, I loved what came back. And I loved the new music that I had written even more so. And then I got to play a show with Stevie Nicks not too long after that. I wrote a song called Out of the Lines before, Outside the Lines, about how the first time in life that you're basically taught a lesson, it might be in kindergarten when you're supposed to draw inside the lines. Mm-hmm. Inside life had never worked for me. And that was another time. I retaught myself how to play music and it was better. And for every time that I really hit the ground on my knees, I got up better. And I wouldn't have gotten, I don't think I would have been playing with the Unix if I didn't have that. I definitely wouldn't have the songs that I love that are about it. Now, what what was Better. it like playing with Stevie Nicks? Did, did you get to talk to her oh, much? Or? Well, it was the most incredible thing ever. She is so talented and warm and charming. And you, when you get to hear a story from her about how a song was written and how she was had a car that only drove in reverse... <laughs> When she got started and she got into the band because she was the only one with a car. <laughs> She's so down to earth and so inspiring. And the stories behind the songs are exact, are not as amazing as you thought they'd be because you think that she must have been just been so amazing and she always knew it. But she was so humble and so incredible. And she had beautiful friends that were also so humble and in awe of music music's sake and that's what Fleetwood Mac was after I got to hear the story about this kid watching the snow fall and wondering if he was you know was going to grow old and 
and she wrote uh, Landslide. Now, I mean, that really, really touched my heart and my soul. It's incredible. I'm so honored. I'm really lucky. Now, you, you talk about uh, Stevie Nicks telling a story about how she wrote a song. And the reason I, I know who you are is because of, of Chase and Amy and the song you did for that movie. Uh, do you have a story about that song or, and how you wrote that? Yes. <laughs> My favorite story about that song happened recently. And that is that I've, um, I came across being in a room filled with women. And I realized that there's usually one of us crying about the same thing. Some man had left her for another girl or something like it. She's so sad. And I remember saying, the, the, day, the day after you're sad, like today, life gets better. And you're going to figure out that you want to be liked. You want to be loved. You want somebody to think you're special and cute. And you'll not settle for that. But when I was a kid, I was didn't have all that confidence going for me yet. I had a boyfriend that had love letters in his pocket, and he went to dinner with somebody else on Valentine's Day. And then one day, he was going to actually leave me for his best friend's girl. And I had no pride that day. I had no, uh, I couldn't yell at him and, and, and put my hands on my hips and say, you, you know, you better do this. You better love me or something. I wasn't. I didn't have that thing that I had the day before. He told me he was, uh, I wasn't even going to be part of the story. This is my first love, and he was my whole family. He was the guitar player of my band, of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> Always the guitar player. <laughs> so I uh, I crawled into my closet. I gave, well, I gave him the conversation, of course, and everything that I'm, I don't care. I have no pride. I, I'll be the other girl. Any one more minute with you, I'll do it. I, the sun, the my planet, the galaxy is leaving. And the second you walk out the door, I, I'm being ground, introduce you to my knees. I begged and that didn't work. And, and I, there was my closet. I crawled into my closet with my guitar. And then seconds, I just had a song. It was just exactly how I felt that day without uh, anything added. I got to play with members of uh, the East Street Band because of it. Wow. I got I got to have the song touched and played on by all kinds of musicians and producers who were going to produce our band, the band Cole. It was incredible. And I never thought anybody would love that song but me. And I've, I'm honored that so many hearts can relate to what I was feeling. I, I feel so lucky to be somebody that I, I wanted to be. I wanted to make somebody feel better or understood. And that always shocks me that somebody else is feeling what I'm feeling. My feelings feel so small. I feel so un- uniquely um, ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm delighted to, to find out that I'm not. And there's other people out there who are experiencing the same broken hearts or sadness and much worse. Do you know how um, Kevin come across your music, Kevin Smith? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a girl who was working on the movie. Some things were not working out, and they had they were further along in the movie than they were supposed to have been, I think, by the time they started adding music. And a girl who was working on the soundtrack or the music for the movie, she got the track um, from my record label, or from us, and she was pushing for it. Since they didn't have a lot of music, they ended up using it uh, a couple of spots, and it became a really meaningful centerpiece to the movie. I didn't know who Kevin Smith was, and I didn't know what the movie was about. My song was just kind of snatched up and stuck in it. But, it, but And I paid to watch the movie in the movie theater of Pasadena, but I <laughs> loved it. I loved it. I was so happy, and it was one of those moments where it was just like me, just, or, you know, you meet somebody and you know, you are made of my cloth. When somebody is screaming their heart out for the person that they care about and everything's gone wrong and you can't figure anything out in life and you want to crash your car into that person to get a little bit closer. When they were breaking down in that movie and, and, and having that, that passion, I thought, 
oh, when you're throwing the plates and and <laughs> and crying your heart out, that's exactly where I am when I'm writing these songs. So thank you for putting me there. And I love that movie. I love this scene. I I cried. I was so touched. I thought that there was spectacular acting in that moment when chasing in chasing Amy when my song first starts playing. Well, it, it's it's a real turning point in the movie, and that was a a. a a scene in the movie where you had to have the the right music to play, and it was it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. Now, I, I may have heard you wrong just now, but did you say that Joey Lauren Adams was the one that pushed for the song to be in the movie? I think it was um, a, a a woman who worked in music supervision, walking music supervision at Fox, and I think her name was. That was different. I think she was pushing to put the song in the movie sound up. Okay. And I, it ended up there in in the heartbreak scene, and then they ended up bringing it back in another scene where they felt the same color. I thought that was so cool. Now, and have you seen really uh, Have you seen Jay and Silent Bob reboot? I am very soon to say I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> All right. So I um I I tried to go to see it in the theaters. And I couldn't figure it out. It was really a special event, and I I, I screwed it up. And now I uh, haven't figured out how to watch it on a, a tablet or something like that yet. And I, maybe I'm nervous because it's it's such a big deal for me. It's such a huge part of my life. It's like seeing your first girlfriend that you've loved your whole life. Or, you know, it's such a big deal. I'm kind of nervous. I have a huge crush on the team and, and the reunited thing. I was sitting at work, uh, working, volunteering with Alzheimer's patients when I got a call that said, would you want to be part? We want to get you back. We want to bring everybody back together and put that same song and movie again. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I almost fell down. And uh, I feel unbelievably lucky once again. And now... Um, it's very poetic that all of those people are coming back around and that life has gone on and, and come back again. And now as these things are coming together, the planets in disrepair. And I wonder if I can, maybe this is my time to finally help a little bit more. And those superstitious or something like that. But um, I haven't watched it. I'm so excited. It's such a big deal to me personally to be involved it, I don't think that anything could go righter than that for me. So it means so much to me. So, so the the movie was on a, a limited release I, in certain theaters. And, you know, that Kevin and uh, Jason Muse went out on tour with it. And they would sell tickets. They would buy, you know, have it at a theater. Uh, they would sell tickets. You, you know, buy your ticket. You go in. They would be there. They come out, they talk a little bit, you watch a movie, and then they come out and they talk a little bit more. And I actually went to Arlington, Virginia, and watched the movie. And they were there, and I'm a huge softy. It is very easy to make me cry when it comes to watching movies <laughs> and stuff. And it, like, I, me too! <laughs> and I would say, I, I watched that movie, I watched it, and there was times where I was like, oh, my God, that's happening. Oh, my God, that's you know, that's a callback. But the scene that they use your song, I bawled like a baby. And you, you have to see it. I, I hate the fact that you haven't seen it yet. You have to see it. They, It is so amazing. It's in just like in Chasing Amy, how that song was a turning point in Chasing Amy. It's a turn. Yeah. It, it feels like it's a turning point in that movie, and it when it comes up, it's kind of it happens in a moment you really didn't expect it to happen. Yeah, and, and the fact that he you know kind of rekindled his relationship with Ben Affleck to do that movie, and then your uh, music's playing, it is it is yeah. very very surreal, it, just to the view askew universe. It is it, it's. To me, oh it was the highlight, I, one of the highlights of the film. I can't wait. I, I, if that's 
the first thing I'm going to do before I eat is when I get up. Yeah, we have. We're gonna have to fix that because you need to see this. You need to see it because it's it. it, You are you're a part of all this. Your music is a part of all that. There's a reason, you know. Chase and Amy had a soundtrack. You know, you weren't the only person that had a song there, but your song was important. Your song was the important song off the Chase and Amy soundtrack that had to come back. And set an set a feeling and an atmosphere for the scene and the new one, and it's perfect. It's perfect, and, and I I just it, I hate that you haven't seen it. I really do. Oh, I'm going to change that for you immediately. I can't wait to see it. I um I feel as I can't wait to see it. I'm so happy. I'm so lucky. I'm, I'm so excited about it. I uh, I met Kevin Smith one time um, not too long ago. I paid to see him at a club, and uh, he was telling funny stories and funny jokes and asking questions from the crowd. And when he was asking questions, I raised my hand. I don't remember the question, but I asked him. And I said, by the way, I, I before I sit down, I just wanted to say thank you. That my my name is Mary Bourne, and, and uh, I've had a lot of people contribute to my life, and you did. You, you chose a song, and I'm so honored, of mine to use. And Radio Airplay um, at the time, and, and all of the resources that, that everybody helped me get, helped me do something that I, never, that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do. I'm a musician, so I didn't have medical insurance. Without that Radio Airplay, um, I, I, I might have died. I was able to secure something very rare, medical insurance, good medical insurance, thanks to that and have a life-saving brain surgery. And he, he said, well, get up here. And he invited me on stage, and we had huge hugs, and um, everybody clapped, and uh, I was crying, and thank you, and it was really special. I, I was about to say, when did you get your hug? Because I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> knew, I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I almost got superstitious, you know, or or something like that. But I I know that friends, that people have talked to him, and I know that he was asked by a lot of people, where's our soundtrack? We really, we really want to hear um, that. And it just didn't come together back then. And I'm sure it was meant to be the way that it is. But it makes it that much more special that I get to be part of this soundtrack and part of working with them again. And I love it. I can't wait. Uh, you are, you're cemented into his work there is i mean you were a huge part of it i mean this is just coming as from a fan that that song you hear that song you know where that song come from you know that in his, his chase and amy i don't think you could have put another song there that would have been you know that meaningful and to see it in reboot you know like i said i i'm a softy i didn't cry in that movie until that scene and I started crying, and, and my wife sitting beside me like, oh, my God, are you crying? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm crying. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> so let's uh, fast forward from that till, well, from Chase and Amy till now. What are you, Do you have any music now that you're working on? I have so much music that I'm working on. I've, I've recorded some things, and I've, I've done some commercials and films and paid, paid my way to various projects sometimes, and, and things like that. Mostly, I toil away um, and play for my friends or, or, or at hospitals. I play there for the intensive care ward at, at the, the kids' children's hospital and at UCLA when I first got out of my first surgery. I, I play for a small audience, and, and um, I'm not very good with business, so I mostly... Mm-hmm. No, in, in general, no. Most people don't know who I am, and I've never tried to get them to know who I am. So uh, mostly, I've just built a uh, this big, big catalog of a thousand songs, which is the diary of my life and what helps me get through it. I'm always working on something. I'm always sorting something out, trying to figure out um, where do I go from here? How do I how do I fix this? How do I resolve uh, my my problems, my questions, and my troubles? And then. I have this this comforting piece of music at the end of 
hopefully working towards figuring something out. And I have a lot, a, a lot of that. I have a um, song called Lowe's Bulletproof that was written um, just prior to my last round of brain surgery, uh, surgeries because people tell me not to die after they hear some of the surgeries I've been through. They're worried I'm going to get sick or, or something like that. And I, I wanted to reassure people that I wasn't going anywhere, that I had that I had too much to live for, too much to say, too many unrecorded songs. And I had been saved too many times. I was made of better stuff with the steel and the titanium alloy that's in me now. I wrote a song called Love It's Proof about that. And I, uh, I'm writing a song um, which somebody wanted to try to get in a TV show recently for me that I never thought it was about people. Just I'm amazed how many people just need to um, find their song that tells their story that they can relate to. And I don't know what to call it yet, but it's people in the streets coming for help. If nobody's coming, you best save yourself. They're going to aim high and low as well. And nobody will love you if you don't love yourself. So hang on to them dreams because nobody else can tell where you've been or where you've gone. And lovers that want to leave, let them let it hit you in the head because there ain't no better company. And if they try to stop you, block you to drop you, and there's no way out, nobody has got you. You give them to killers and thieves. You give them hell. I don't know where it's going to go from there. But I love music, and I wrote it after hearing lots of sad stories with a particular group of ladies who are incredible. And I wanted to say something that uh, they were undeservedly insecure. And for anybody that really did overly related to stay and wanted to stick around and hang out with a guy who made the uh, second fiddle, that was not good enough. And neither is anything else. And I've been encouraged to follow my dreams, and I, I hope that they do the same. That's the, I guess, the one in the pot, I guess, as they say, or what else is going wrong. And this COVID-19 thing, it's, we're on the front line. We're fighting the fight. We're rolling up our sleeves. We're mm-hmm. trying to save each other, literally save each other's lives. And that's, that's definitely got a song in it. I don't know what it's going to be called, but I, I can already almost hear it. One thing you you just said, and it was, it's actually two things you said. Like earlier you said that uh, you, you won't really – uh, you didn't really do much with the internet, and the second thing you said was um, that you never really like tried to just show off and let people know who you are. You were just trying to do your thing, and because uh, you don't do much with social media and stuff, that it literally took me about six months to get you on this podcast. It was super hard to find you. Super hard. So we're gonna we're gonna have to uh, see if we could do something about that and get you out there. I I do know that uh, you do have a YouTube channel, and if people want to go listen to your you know some of the music you have on your YouTube channel, they can. But other than that, I don't know anything else where people can find you. Is there anywhere else? Uh, I would say that the my YouTube channel is probably a pretty good place to to find me, but I haven't figured out. (laughs) Uh, I think I'm currently logged out of social media across the board for having a lost phone out there, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know my password. Um, (laughs) I'm signed out of Google and things like that, so I'm I'm top secret. I'm I'm (laughs) (laughs) off-grid. I'm off-grid, literally, and um, somehow um, it's almost a miracle how I've managed to stay unreleased despite having a record deal, being in, in those movies and, and working with, you know, the most talented people. Um, I'm playing for me. I know I need to get out there and and not be so selfish and such a hoarder of music and songs. I just, honestly, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> Self-promotion. Um, um I'm good at, you know, being uh, affected by somebody's touching story and trying to encourage them. I'll write their, their story down on the guitar and give it as a gift, and they'll have a song, you know, in, in my heart. That's that's what music is for me. It's just uh, 
a conversation that I have with somebody I care about where that's it. You get it. Um, uh, like medicine for pain, dawn to the day you're the kind of friend who's there in the end with the right words to say. So then stare, put your head down when you feel out of place. And remember that you are who I look up to and that I have good taste and that tears will never deserve the real estate on your face. I wish you could see what I see. You'd be so happy if you could see what I do when I'm looking at you. If you'd look in the mirror and everything was clear, you'd never be blue if you could see what I see in you. That's not just one compliment song that I got to write on somebody's guitar and tell them that they were great. Or a jerk. And you're not the person. <laughs> now, yeah, like a, what, I stationary. You know, you, and even because the way you talk, I know you have all these songs wrote, but when you go on your YouTube channel, you do, it just seems like there's just a handful of uh, music oh, that you have nice. on there. Uh, and no, just just so nice. if anybody wants to check out Mary, I'll just go on YouTube and type in Mary Born Music, M A R Y B O R N Music, and don't leave any spaces. Type it all together. She'll pop right up. And uh, out of all the music that you have on here, I I think that the song Damage is probably my favorite song that you have on there. Uh, uh, it, it's, oh, you, you can wait till you hear some. That's good because I have some 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 big sisters to Damage that you might love. Then I that was a that was a sound that that stuck with me and turned into. A, Turn into something special in my in my cat in my book in my book song. Now, is there uh, is is there a story behind that song? Uh, that was a less personal song to me than a lot of songs on the record at that time. I was um, compared to Janis Joplin when I got started because I uh, I was I guess I, I had, when I was experiencing the emotions that I was experiencing behind the stories that I had to tell, there was no way to say it than to scream. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, I was compared to Janis Joplin, who I'd never heard of. Wow. The first time I heard Janis Joplin, I said, oh my God. I was blown away. It was such a fan. I was so um, honored to have been, to have been compared to her. Um, in, a, in a magazine or two. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get enough of her music. And, and then I listened to who she listens to with uh, gospel and blues. And was, I, I wouldn't have been introduced to so much soul and so many explicit things if not for her. When I got into the story, the details of her life, she was just, it was a tragedy. It was sad and she never got to enjoy it. She never got to be inspired. Yeah. Yeah. I um when I was relating and and trying to understand her when I was just I wrote damage um kind of about her I was trying to figure out a con- it was like a conversation with a higher power of of uh, regret and remorse and never getting to stay in the sun that she deserved I felt like God look at the damage that I've done I I, I, I there needs to be a, a sequel to that song I'm sorry the antidote for that the emotion of being sorry for making a mess of yourself in your life. Um, I wish I had a, what if it had all finally come home? What if she finally, you know, gotten on the farm and played that festival and had the time of her life that she deserved? Uh, I would like that to be a fun too. And maybe it will be. And that's what Damage was about. It was about her. Well, I they just put the whole song in a whole different, you know, I look at it different now. I mean, I didn't. Wow. Um, I I I like to end or try to end uh, every podcast I do with a, a, about the same question, and I I kind of feel like after you saying that Janice, you know, that that song was about Janice Joplin, I I kind of feel like that was a good stopping point. Um, but I do have one more question. For anybody that wants to kind of break out into the music industry and, and kind of go down the path that you are going down, would you have any advice for them? So I, I know that you, uh, uh, your medical 
uh, or your health had a lot to do with, you know, postponing what you were doing. But is there anything that maybe you could tell somebody like, hey, if you're coming up, if you're doing this or you want to, you know, you want to do music, would you have any advice for them? I hope so. <laughs> I got to um I got to speak at um at Musicians Institute. I was invited by uh, my late friend Don Gerson to speak, um, for funny reasons, to give advice to to, to uh young people coming up in the in the entertainment industry and what advice could I give them? So we, but we got a lot of laughs over it. Because what I said is that I've done everything wrong. And you might be able to learn a little something from my mistakes. It was just that incredible. But um, if any, if I could offer any advice, I would say this. I don't think that musicians really relate to business, and I certainly don't. But I did. I do admire other people in the music business who are creating jobs and and putting their kids, you know, in 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 bridges and and things like that. So I suggest to any young musician to actually want to make it. You could learn by somebody else's mistakes volunteer in the, in some in industry and in business in the music business and see how hard it is to be on the other side and with that you'll um be inspired and and I, i'm confident that it would take anybody to do a better place of success myself included um mm-hmm. that understanding business and and getting on the other side and appreciating uh whoever it is going out and selling your music for you even or even just learning how to do it yourself I'm not there yet, but uh, I have a lot of songs to, to tell the story. Other than that, I think don't listen to what anybody else says. Don't try to be anybody that you're not. Don't follow a trend to save your life because at the end of life, you're going to have a bunch of songs that you don't love, and that's bogus. Um, if you mean everything you say, then it's all you can't sing at a tune, and soul is um, an underrated commodity. It's the most beautiful thing that you have or can do. So uh, it must fall out, I guess. I think that a, a real musician that's actually doing it, they're making the music because that's what they want to do and they're, that's their passion. When they get to that step where the business side comes into it, I think that, that I mean, I haven't been there, but I assume that would probably start to take some of the fun out of it. Yeah, I guess so. But Mary, I... I Thank you so very much for doing this. Uh, it meant a lot to me. I, I, you know, I remember watching Chasing Amy for the first time and not knowing what that movie was about. And after all, I remember watching it and watching Ben Affleck and Joey Lauren Adams in that scene where your music is playing and just being blown away and not really like i said going into it and not really know what that movie was about and especially since i was a kevin smith fan and having never seen the movie and when it, at that time when he made it, it was so different than everything else he had done and that scene was so amazing to me and to hear that music to me you are a, a part of the view askew universe and without you that scene would not have happened like it did. So I want to say thank you for that. And just thank you for coming on here. And I hope that uh, when you listen to this, that you, you really like it a lot. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope that I've helped you tell your story a little bit. I know that you've had, had a really long and detailed story. And I hope maybe within just this little bit of time, we were able to tell a little bit of it to where people can kind of understand who you are and where you come from. Well, well, I feel encouraged for life for having this conversation with you. I'm touched. I can't wait to watch the movie. I can't, I really hope that I get some of the live songs out there onto my channel this, sometime soon that uh, follow on the footsteps of that song, that little song that you liked. Thank you so much for giving me this time and this chance to talk about music and how much it means to me. And truly for encouraging me. I feel like I feel inspired. Thank you. Don't lie about where you've been. We both know you've been screaming. So 
Why don't you give your little voice a rest? Climb on up inside my bed and just pretend you need me. You don't have to lie about what you know. Even though I've been suffering, and I don't need to be your only. Kiddo, we like these stinky old fools. Dude, how did something so amazing come from your funny book making balls? Well, it's a mystery to me too, G. I'm a huge fan of that kid. Blunt Man's getting a reboot. Netflix is making Amy. Well, I hate the present so much, it's like they want to retreat into the past. All of a sudden, all my old bullshit is back. Some of that old bullshit meant the world to me when I was starting out. Now that all my childhood dreams are starting to come true, I mean, it's nice, don't get me wrong. That kid is just way more interesting to me. I used to think life was all about me. I was the hero of my own story. Bruce Wayne of one lifelong issue of Detective Comics, so to speak. And that kid came along and suddenly you realize you're not Bruce Wayne anymore. You're Thomas Wayne, or Bruce Wayne's mom, whose name escapes me. Anyway. I'm just here to set the real story in motion. So once you become a parent, you're not the star anymore. You're the stage. I'm just here to prop up my kids so she can put on the show of her life, like my parents did for me, like theirs did before them. 
And if you're lucky enough to have a kid, the trade-off is you don't really get a third act to your story because the story changes. All of a sudden, it's not about you anymore. For the first time in your self-involved life, that's okay. Kids are like our reboots. Another chance to tell a brand new version of the same old story. I know I'm supposed to be teaching Amy stuff, but I, it's like I'm learning from her every day. So, spend my days chasing Amy, so to speak. Look, I know I dragged us all the way to Hollywood to stop this fucking reboot from happening, but I haven't been there for Millie her whole fucking life, Silent Bob. Sorry, who's Millie? And we came to get our names back, but I have a new fucking name, Silent Bob, and it's fucking Dad, okay? And that will be the only name I ever need again. Yo, Blunt Boy, you think you get us in the reboot shoot in the ballroom? I'm a guest of honor, bro. <gasps> Thanks, bro. They're gone, girl. Where? They're on the town. It's just us. We're the Just Us League. What are you looking at me like that for? Tear down the headlines. Empty the asterisks. Sweep out the airway. What's left of our time? Well, you can use my.